You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Radio Live. You're listening to Father Randall Kiesel live here at the Church of St. Michael in Pine Island, Minnesota. And we are ready to begin Straight Talk. And if you have a question about our Catholic faith, please give us a call, 877-795-0122. Be happy to have you on here with me live to have your question. Again, that's 877-795-0122. Or you can send your question to us through the Real Presence Radio Facebook page. And uh, be very happy to have any questions you may have. There's so much in our faith in this time uh, regarding Lent and repentance, conversion. Uh, Many of us heard the gospel of the prodigal son from the gospel of Luke chapter 15, starting with verse 11. Powerful gospel we had for uh, the liturgies this last weekend. And it's invoking for us to come back to God our Father, to be blessed in Him. Uh, so we do have our first question in. Thank you to Vicki. And I will read the question out here. It's from our Facebook page. If Jesus is everywhere and hears all our prayers at the same time, is it the same when 20 of us are praying and asking intercession from our Blessed Mother? Does she hear all our prayers at the same time? Does our guardian angel deliver our prayers to the saints? We are asking for intercession. Uh, those are really good questions, excellent questions. We'll try to talk about or talk uh, through uh, the first question about if Jesus is everywhere and hears our prayers at the same time, is it the same when 20 are praying and asking intercession from our Blessed Mother? So the best way for me to at least attempt to give some understanding of how God is uh, everywhere uh, and then also God hears our prayers at you know he he can he can do this or he does do this uh so first of all we live in a created world and the created world has laws or principles that guide and direct it and there are powers but also limitations uh with god he is unlimited he is infinite and our powers merely reflect in a finite way the unlimited power of god So we might be able to look and say, I can listen to one person and then maybe listen to two and give each one some some effort in listening at the same time. But God is not confined by such limitations. God and his power uh, can hear uh, everyone at the same time and sees and perceives. And the, the same thing regarding time, time is a created experience and God is uncreated. He's the uncreated creator. And so God is not confined by uh, the aspect of time. And so the definition of time is a time is a measurement of change over the course of the, the passage of, of change in a day, for example. So, uh, so our Lord is definitely able and he does hear all our prayers at the same time. He comprehends them. He knows them. And in a certain sense, he knows them even ahead of time. He knows all things. He knows the outcome of things before they happen. Uh, and we might be tempted to think, well, then that that can open a a Pandora's box. Well, if God knows everything, why does he do such and such? Why does he create people who might end up in hell or whatnot? But the reality is, is there's still the aspect of free will that people can, uh, in the whole point of creation is that we receive God's love and love him back. And in order for love to be real and sincere and authentic, there 
God deemed in his wisdom, there must be free will. And that's the way God is. God, out of his free will, made us. And he made us with a reflection of him having freedom, a free will to receive his love and to choose to love him back. The, the dignity, the greatest dignity of being a human person is to be able to be loved by God, to freely receive his love, and then to freely choose to love God back. The most dignified act of all possible actions in the human experience is to love God. Every time you love God, you are fulfilling uh, the greatest action of being human. So it is, you know, choose to love God and make repeated acts of love of God. And like uh, St. Ignatius and the founders of the, the Jesuits, they had all for the glory of God. And a kind of translation, in a sense, uh, if we put it in practical action, all for the love of God. For his glory is his love, uh, that he is love. So, when 20 of us are praying, say, asking intercession of the Blessed Mother, can her heart hear? And understand, yes, her heart does, but how does she have that power? Well, our Blessed Mother is united to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit uh, enables her heart to receive the askings, the petitions, and she presents them to Jesus. And it is, it is the power of Jesus uh, that, and the Holy Spirit that animates her heart and expands her heart. And it's, uh, while you and I don't experience such things regularly, however, with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we're connected to the communion of saints, and we're connected with those in heaven. We have a relation with those in purgatory who are being purified and prepared for heaven. And we're connected to others here on earth by the power of the Holy Spirit who are living in the state of grace. So there is a connection we have in the power of the Holy Spirit who is infinite and, and can hear and understand everything, searches hearts and souls all over the world and knows the depths of his own inner being himself. So, our Blessed Mother has the power to hear our prayers, and it is part of being united with the Holy Spirit. Uh, does our guardian angel deliver our prayers to the saints? We are asking for intercession. Um, technically, there's a little gray area there. Our guardian angel is indeed very active. It's thought uh, generally regarding our guardian angel, certainly he delivers our prayers before the, the Holy Trinity, Almighty God. Uh, there's a little gray area whether or not our guardian angel will be the messenger to the various saints. It's definitely possible. Uh, but also we know in various private revelations that uh, our Lord does permit or want at times direct interaction between souls and saints, uh, such as, you know, maybe St. Patrick, we just celebrated his feast, or, or uh, St. Joseph, you know, a, a direct... Inter inter but can the guardian angels facilitate that? Oh, certainly. Uh, one of my... Uh, uh, offerings of advice to families, and we just had a great talk on family life uh, with Rob and Susan Bushin, is that uh, parents uh, utilize or ask the help of their personal guardian angel uh, to help them in their marriage, but also to help them with their children, because their guardian angels have charge with their children, and parents have a real charge given by God regarding their children, and all the good angels in the, in the household will be of great assistance and service uh, to help to make the order that God desires in every Christian household. And the order that God desires is very simple. It is to love God, to do all you do in your family life to love God. And if you maintain that simple focus and strive for it, uh, I tell you, your guardian angels are going to be happy and they're going to help you make that order. So to call upon them. That, the only thing is the guardian angels cannot read your thoughts. So if a guardian angel were to help you regarding a saint, you would need to, to share that thought with them uh, because the, uh, the, the, that's one of the things. Only, only God knows our interior thoughts. Uh, and and uh, the angels, the saints do not, but if we share them uh, with them, then they can know. And that's the same thing regarding the demons. They, they cannot read our minds. Uh, and, you know, the, the, what is the devil? The devil can 
pose temptations, uh, if God permits it, and then the devil can simply observe, well, pose this temptation, if God permits it, what does the person do? How does the person react? And then makes by deduction uh, the closeness of the soul to God or how far away the soul is from God by based on, is this impacting their imagination, leading to an action of their will, or are they fighting? Uh, against the temptation. So and the, the guardian angels do something similar regarding giving inspirations, instructions to come close to God. So let's say, hey, look, right now I can foresee you need to pray. And does what? how does a soul respond to that instruction from our good friend, uh, our guardian angel, uh, to go toward God and to pray? So very good question, Vicki. I could talk a long time on those things, but uh, I think that'll be sufficient for now. Um, so we have another question coming up. Uh, oh, the phone number coming up here. I want to make sure people can call in if you'd like. 877-795-0122. 877-795-0122. Or certainly send in your question on Facebook. Another question here, uh, a listener, not through the phone. Uh, what is the difference between praying at home and praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament? Well, great question. So first, in order to get the differences, let's look at what is common. Now, in the state of grace, our Lord lives within us. And it's true that God is everywhere. So we have access to God in our home, uh, out in the field, or in the woods, or in a cabin. We have access to God everywhere because He is Spirit, and He is always with us, and present and with a gaze of love and sustaining us. And every day is a new creation, a gift from God, uh, which we have opportunity to love God. But praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament is a singularly unique blessing, because that is what it's not only what our church teaches, but it is the truth. It really is what we believe and know it is, that it is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ truly present, hidden behind the appearance of bread, or hidden, you know, if the precious blood, hidden behind the appearance of wine. So there we have direct access to the the divinity of God through the sacred humanity of Christ in this most humble way in which our Lord wills to be present in the material world, in, in our experience of the material world. So you can see that there is quite a difference there, and, and it is generally for us to grow into that Eucharistic faith of prayer, we need to give time to it. We need to practice in faith speaking to Jesus, but also be in silence with him in the blessed sacrament, listening to Jesus, being with him. And sometimes the most fruitful prayer is that, not sure what to say, just be there with him. Uh, have that appointment with him there to love him from your heart, not necessarily saying all that much, but listening to him and being there with him uh, as a friend and as one who loves him. Great question. And now we have a call on the phone. Uh, we have Oh, we're going to wait for just a moment before we get to this one that's on the phone. We have a phone number. I want to get back to that, 877-795-0122. Feel free to call in uh, or have a question uh, for us through Facebook. Again, that number, 877-795-0122. And so now we're ready for uh, Dave on the phone. Dave, are you with us? Oh, I see. He gave the the question uh, through a phone call. And Dave uh, made the comment, yesterday at Mass, uh, during his homily, the pastor spoke about how the church picks Easter Sunday, that is, Easter falls on the Sunday following the first ecclesiastical full moon that occurs on or after the day of the 
vernal equinox. This sounds a lot like paganism to me. Would you please explain? Oh, that's a great question. So, uh, we, we have a little differences regarding the Orthodox and then the, um, uh, the Roman way of picking. So, that how the Easter falls and one would be on the, the lunar or one would be on the sun or, and one would be on the moon and way the, the changes regarding uh, the natural seasons. Uh, the key is here to understand what the, the spiritual meaning that has been applied to the sun and then also that to the moon. Uh, so the spiritual meaning of the sun, we look to the sun as the source of light and actually the, the, if the sun were to go away, uh, this world would cease because the sun provides energy uh, which comes to the plants and the plants then through chlorophyll uh, it's an amazing miraculous process turns that into energy which then that energy is eaten by animals and other uh, insects and other things and that is converted into energy which we end up consuming we consume plants uh, and vegetables we consume meat uh, and it makes for our food that makes feeds our body so by analogy the sun uh, is is compared or in a sense leading to Christ. Now, we don't worship the sun, uh, but it, it points to us, reminds us that eating of the food of the Son of God uh, is the source of all of our power and our strength. Furthermore, what about, what about that of the moon? The, the moon is a source of light, and again, this is another aspect of an analogy regarding the spiritual life. Uh, one thing, though, is common, and what, what makes the distinction regarding paganism is the, in worship, what is the object of the worship? Uh, the, and this makes to help us understand that it's not paganism, so that the, we don't worship the physical sun. Uh, we don't worship the physical moon. So in, in civilizations in times past, and maybe some that exist today, they, they actually do worship the sun. They do worship the object of the moon, or they'll bow down. They'll offer various forms of natural sacrifices to give an honor to those physical uh, uh, celestial objects of the sun or the moon. Uh, but we, we don't do that. We look and see what the operation of the sun is and the, and the operation of the moon and what we observe. And we say, this is like what we experience in the invisible spiritual experience. So the moon reflects the light of the sun and provides us with a marker or with a, a showing of a sign of change in the seasons. And it can show a pattern. Uh, so the, the pattern that we see in the moon right now shows that we're about to enter into spring and, the, and we're going to have new life. Uh, that when we enter into the passion of Jesus and the dying of the way, the dying of our Lord on the cross, and then His resurrection, we enter into new life. So the church marks these common things regarding uh, what is agricultural, what is growth, and seasonal to tell us about and teach us about what God is doing spiritually and invisibly through the power of the Holy Spirit, through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father. So. Hopefully you can see this is certainly not paganism because paganism would involve worshiping that object itself, whereas we utilize those objects, the sun and the moon, to uh, give us as a kind of uh, a sign that we look that really applies to God, who is the object of our worship. So good question, Dave. Uh, hopefully that's helpful for you. Uh, another question here came in on Friday. Pope Francis and the bishops of the world consecrated Russia and Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Why not consecrate Russian Ukraine to the Sacred Heart of Jesus? That's a great question. Uh, why not? But let's go to why the consecration of Russian Ukraine happened in the first place. So 
First of all, the, the, initia, the initiation of this event came at the request of the bishops of the Ukraine. Uh, they asked specifically the Holy Father if he would consecrate as soon as possible uh, Russia and the Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. But where did this idea of consecrating Russia and the Ukraine come from to begin with? Where did the bishops of the Ukraine likely take this from? And, and all of us uh, have this idea that, we pl- that played out this last Friday. That comes from Our Lady of Fatima. And it came from the apparitions uh, that were part of the 1917 apparitions, beginning in May, culminating with the great miracle of the sun on October 13th, 1917. And our Blessed Mother told the shepherd children, uh, now Saints Jacinta and uh, uh, Lucia, and uh, the all three of them, uh, that they were to that the Holy Father was to consecrate the world to. Um, our, to Our Lady of Fatima and her Immaculate Heart. And in this consecration, uh, that they would... Uh, it's Francisco. Yeah, Jacinta, Lucia, and Francisco. And Francisco was eluding me there for a second there. You know, I have devotion to him. Uh, I'm thinking about this consecration. So the consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, Mary herself wants this. So there's some aspect of the mystery of her intercession in her maternal heart uh, that will prevent the spread of evil or... Uh, limit the evil that comes from atheistic communism. Uh, that's the general idea. Uh, the, the whole issue is the, that governments exist at the behest and the sharing of the power of God. So governments share in the power of God. And go- governments are therefore meant to be godly. They're meant to honor the Ten Commandments. They're meant to honor uh, the freedoms that the peoples of each nation have to know God, to love God, to follow God. But when governments do not follow the Ten Commandments, and when they establish a system of government or a philosophy of government, whereby the people exist for the sake of the government and to make sure the government stays in existence, uh, it fosters atheism. It's an atheistic government. The government exists to foster glory to God and to uh, protect the dignity and the rights of the people to know and love God, to provide for the ordering in a country for that to happen. So communism is atheistic. Socialism can be atheistic as well. And so if a government in its philosophy operates in a way that it pushes God out, uh, there can be grave problems that we've seen in the last Oh, just over a hundred years and even more than that. So that's what our Blessed Mother was addressing, that she wanted to pray to limit the, the evil of the idea of this form of government, which was coming to rise in Russia in 1917, and thereby not allow that to spread around the world. But generally it has spread around the world to some extent. Uh, there have been consecrations of Russia and the world uh, in various forms over the the last few years, and one of the most notable before this last Friday was 1984 uh, by John Paul II, and some fruit from that most certainly. And so we will see what happens after this Friday, and it will be in hindsight that we recognize what our Blessed Mother does to limit evil uh, and, and how our Lord will then bless us. But why not consecrate them to the Sacred Heart? Well, there is an idea uh, that is real, it is true, that if there is a consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Mary gives everything to Jesus. It's basically, while it's not exactly the same, it basically is because the hearts of Mary and Jesus are united. Uh, Mary is of one will with Jesus, whatever Jesus wants. And we know that the wedding feast of Cana, for example, in scripture, do whatever Jesus tells you. 
Do what he tells you. My will is the same as his. And it was the will of the Father that our Blessed Mother be that faithful, loving disciple, even to the death of her son on the cross, and even being there at the foot of the cross. And so that when we give ourselves to the Blessed Mother, it's pleasing to Jesus. It shows a, a sort of humani- uh, humility that we trust her as he did. So the, the greatest trust of loving the Immaculate Heart of Mary ever shown was God the Father entrusting his son to our Blessed Mother and to her heart, and that she be the Mother of God. So when we give ourselves to Mary, we imitate God and give the gift of Jesus to Mary and then uh, Jesus to us through Mary. So that's a great question. Uh, another follow-up on that came in here. I heard about the consecration of Ukraine and Russia, but I also know that people consecrate themselves to Mary. So how does that work? Hey, that's a great question. Uh, one of my favorite topics, really, that to consecrate oneself to Mary is to give oneself to Mary akin to what I would describe at the foot of the cross, where Jesus is expiring. He looks to Mary and John the Apostle and says, Woman, uh, behold your son. And then looks to John the Apostle, behold your mother. There's a beautiful exchange there. So on a natural level, uh, there is an exchange that would be, uh, in a way, ordinary because Mary didn't have any other children. And so who was going to care for Mary uh, once our Lord uh, would expire and die on the cross? So a, there's a natural thing w- regarding that. Uh, but we, the church has continually interpreted that in the beautiful spiritual meaning that you and I and all people who come to know and love Jesus were united with John the Apostle in that, that Jesus in that moment gave the human family and all those who would be disciples of Christ to our Blessed Mother, and that she in her heart, which was so filled with love for God and love for uh, God in Jesus, that her heart being expanded with great love by the power of the Holy Spirit, then would be called and given the call to help and assist uh, in the salvation of many souls, working with our Lord as a kind of uh, collaborator, an intercessor, but also a real mother, to have personal relationship with peoples all through the ages, to help draw, to teach, to in, in ways admonish, uh, but to be a mother, to provide for uh, grace. Uh, and so our Blessed Mothers, our Lord gave great graces to our Blessed Mother to share with all of us uh, and just as a mother shares her, her whole self, her body, uh, with her children, teaching and educating and nurturing. So our, our Blessed Mother would do this in relationship uh, with uh, the children of our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. So what it does is that a consecration of our Blessed Mother fosters a habitual devotion a true devotion our Blessed Mother to live uh, that relationship which our Lord willed to establish on the cross, and that we follow John the Apostle and give ourselves to our Blessed Mother to be, that she may be our spiritual mother, that she may intercede and help in everything, and, and that then our Blessed Mother would receive our desire and our choice of Mary in this way that pleases our Lord, and then that our hearts would be open to her and want and let and desire that she would live and act through us in the power of the Holy Spirit. So really, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, So uh, one thing about being close to our Blessed Mother, the closer we are, uh, the more that the Holy Spirit lives and acts in our hearts and minds. Uh, So they're beautiful books. There's the St. Louis de Montfort method of 33-day preparation for consecration. Uh, There's one uh, popular as well by Father Michael Gately of the Marians of the Immaculate Conception. There's also a method uh, by St. Maximilian Kolbe, which uh, you can find online as well. 
And I think there are some others that might be out there as well where, that teach or foster the idea of being true devo- truly devoted to our Blessed Mother. And we've got a few, months, few minutes left here in this time of a straight talk, so we'll get to one more question that's come in. I've tried to learn more about Our Lady of Fatima, but a lot of it seems scary or too much like conspiracy theories. How can I appreciate Fatima better? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I recommend, if you can, to go to Fatima. I've been blessed to go to Fatima. It's fully approved by the church, and it's a beautiful place of grace. Whenever I go, uh, it's it's a great place of peace. It's a great place of grace. Um, and I might say that I've been able to go in South Dakota. There is a shrine to Our Lady of Fatima. Uh, I believe it's in Alexandria. You know, there could be maybe a local shrine in your area. Um, and I know the one in, in South Dakota is a family shrine. Uh, but other than that... Uh, to read, to invest time in reading what the messages are and to look at the context, the historical context, but also to have a sense of what is going forward. Uh, what is our Lord uh, looking and asking our Blessed Mother to come and to have this so that the messages are approved and there's been actions of the church to give assistance and life to the life of the church and to souls. We, we truly have various forms of evils. And what we mean by that is that, well, evil is an experience of an absence of a good. There's something, something good missing. Well, the loss of faith... The willingness to commit sin and go against God's commandments, the calling of what is evil good and being permitted or promoted, uh, those, there's all an absence of the, the good that should be there. And what is the good that should be there? Well, love for God, uh, a willing choice to follow his commandments out of love for him, uh, the desire to worship him on Sundays and to live one's life for his glory, and, and then to, to seek what pleases him in our daily lived life, to, to love him, to be in relationship personally with him. That, that is the good that we're all called to have be active in our life. And this is where our Blessed Mother comes in and seeing the plight of the world, uh, how it's so difficult. So great questions. Thank you for calling in here to Straight Talk and giving all those great questions. And next up, we're going to have information on a Lenten mission. So stay with us. Real Presence Radio Live from St. Michael in Pine Island, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. 